This is episode 60. Welcome to the Ultimate Deck Podcast. Ultimate Deck Podcast. Helping you keep your finger firmly pressed on the decking industry, the people in it, and the information you need to master the backyard. And now, now. host of the Ultimate Deck Podcast, Shane Chapman. Welcome, everybody, to the Ultimate Deck Podcast, episode 60. Shane Chapman here for you today, all by my lonesome. My biggest partner in crime, Wade Laurent, down in Mexico right now, escaping this ridiculous, ridiculous cold snap we got going on here. Uh, Today, we're talking to somebody that you are probably quite familiar with, if you're at all on Instagram or have spent any time at these little networking trade shows that we all talk about so frequently, Michael Scott from Simcoe Decks. Mike, are you there with me? I am here. Well, that was quite the intro. Did you hear that thing? Unbelievable. Yeah, right? I yeah, spent a lot of time. take you to come up with that one? Uh, I spent about $65 to a guy on Fiverr, and he came up with it. Oh, really? Money well spent. Oddly enough, you mentioned that. We've uh, we just started looking into that. Uh, like, there's so many different aspects of our company, uh, like marketing-wise, that, like, literally it just makes no sense for me to go and try and figure out how to do it. And when I try and do it anyway, it never turns out good. So uh, we've just started looking into them to... Uh, you know, to sub out some of our marketing services and stuff like that. That's the thing. I knew that I wanted to do something different for the start of this year, as far as the intro and whatnot went. And I spent, I don't know how many hours trying to find the right song and the right music and the right idea to create it myself. And then one day I was like, why am I doing this? I should just find somebody who can record this and, and make it sound really good. And so I went to Fiverr. Yeah, no, absolutely. And within 10 minutes, I found a guy. I paid him. I wrote the words. I gave him the script. And I was like, I want it to kind of sound a little bit kind of like rock edgy, but not too serious because it's a bit of a you know entertaining podcast. I paid yep. and he said two day turnaround. I had it overnight, probably six hours later, an opener, a closer, some other stuff for 60, like unbelievable value. So yeah, no, it's, uh, it's unreal. So one of the things we're actually looking into right now is just, uh, having like email uh, marketing and like sales funnels and stuff like that. So just working on uh, like different things that we can create to add value to our, our, uh, our clients and everything like that. And like I said, I've tried doing it. I've sat on the computer, try watching YouTube videos, try to figure it out. And like at the end of the day, it just, it's not uh, time well spent for me. Right. So that's right. Yep. Yeah. Do what you're good at and hire other people to do the stuff yeah. that you're not. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. Uh, so the, for the folks that aren't familiar with you, uh, you've become quite a presence on Instagram in the short time that you've been in business. So a lot of guys there would be familiar with you, but that's not everybody's there. So why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself, where you're from, what you do, family life, all that sort of good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so like I said, uh, Michael Scott from, uh, Simcodex, um, pretty new, uh, company, uh, just focusing on deck wise anyway. Uh, my background was uh, even uh, for my teenage years, my dad was a, a general handyman. I worked in contracting. I went to uh, school for architecture, did that for uh, a bit and then just didn't love the, the office end of things. So just fell in love with, uh, with the building. Um, I worked up in uh, Muskoka building uh, custom cottages for uh, a number of years. Then made uh, the move down to the, the city here um, well like a, our smaller city anyway um, took a job at the carpenters union did that for a little bit uh, it was one of those things that sounded so good on paper and then 
once I actually got uh, got into it and got involved in it, it, uh, it just wasn't a good fit for me. Um, so at that point, I kind of already changed locations. Uh, didn't really have a lot of connections, so I didn't want to go and try and uh, hook up with uh, another builder or anything like that. So I I started uh, just doing you know general renovations, kitchen, bathrooms, basements. That did that for like six months. Um, we did a couple of decks, and honestly, I just fell in love with. Uh, all aspects of deck building right so i was like you know what i'm just gonna uh just gonna switch the company focus solely to that and uh honestly i haven't really looked back uh haven't been in business too long uh this is our first full year um but we saw like great uh, great growth this year and we're working on uh you know doing even better for next year so that's a quite so sorry just before you switched to decks you were you had your own business but doing general innovations or you were in the union at that point uh, I'd really call it a business is basically uh, a family friend had asked me to do uh, a kitchen renovation for him. Um, so I kind of just took that on and a couple other family uh, and friends and stuff like that had asked me to do some other projects. So I wouldn't really say I was like necessarily set up as a business. I was more or less just doing it. Um, and then once I kind of like, you know what, the light bulb went with the decks and that's when I started to, to really take it serious. There's a lot of people that are, that, are in a similar situation where they do a little bit of everything and they've often spent sleepless nights thinking about specializing, whether it's in decks or something else. And there's always a fear of, uh, that specializing. Yeah. That specializing is going to result in, in a lack of work or something. There's a, there's a fear about it, but what are your, what's your, what's your advice to people about that? It was definitely a concern of mine too. Like I was like, is you know the deck building going to be uh, sustainable? Am I going to be able to pick up enough jobs to uh, to do it? You know, what's going to kind of happen in the the winter time when we're uh, when we're downtime and everything like that? But uh, honestly, it was probably the, the smartest uh, thing I've ever done. Um, so right away, my name is just extremely simple and it's to the point. Simcoe. So we live in Simcoe County, um, and decks is what we do. Decks, right? Um, so basically anyone that's kind of looking for a deck builder or anything like that around this area, those are kind of the, the two main things that they're going to look for anyway. Um, and then when people hear that you just focus on decks and you're not like a general handyman that's, you know, coming to build their deck, but at the same time, time trying to get on that, uh, you know, their basement renovation project or trying to do their kitchen and stuff like that. I think it just makes the, the customer a lot more at ease and everything um, as well. Um, so you can sell, you know, if you were selling maybe like $15,000 projects before, um, and then all of a sudden you'd focus just solely on decks, like uh, basically our smallest deck this year was our largest deck in our first year, right? So, right. so you've, you've seen quite a, quite a quick growth curve, I suppose, fairly early in your business. What do you attribute that to? How did you kind of come out of the gate so uh, successfully, aggressively? Um, so like the first, uh, the first year was a huge, uh, learning curve. I don't have any background in, uh, in business or anything like that or marketing. Um, so I was pricing, uh, jobs on what I kind of, I kind of thought they would, uh, would go for. And a lot of that was based off of, uh, just reading online. Um, you know, what guys on Kijiji and everything were, uh, were selling theirs for, which, uh, we're way under, uh, way under value, but it kind of got our foot in the door at a couple places and, you know, got our hands, uh, dirty type of thing. But, uh, once, you know, once I knew that it was actually, you know, sustainable and it was going to grow and everything like that, but switching it to, uh, 
the name Simcoe Dex was huge for us. Um, Google Ads were or uh, Google Ads um, has been pretty big for us as well. Um, just because we're a new company, we don't have a lot of uh, word or mouth or anything like that. So getting our uh, our name in front of other people is uh, definitely beneficial. And one of the things I always uh, say as well is the word of mouth is great and everything like that. But you could be you know potentially losing out on like your next big client or your next big like string of jobs because you're not in front of the right people, right? So if you're just solely focused on your smaller network and that network of referrals and everything like that, like you could be potentially closing that door to other jobs. Yeah, it makes sense. It's interesting to hear you say that you don't have a background in kind of the business and marketing aspects of business yet. Yeah. For somebody watching your content that you're putting out on, on social media right now, it's very much around those things. It's very much around the analytics and the kind of the back end business type things. How did, without having a background in that, how has that become something that you put so much focus towards? And is it just kind of a, an interest and a passion you discovered when you started your business or where did this come uh, from? So first and foremost, uh, I eat, sleep, breathe, everything decks. Like it's decks uh, is basically like for, you know, lack of better words, it's kind of my life. Like I just enjoy it. I wake up. I, that's what I want to do and everything like that. Um, so everything about uh, the industry like kind of excites me and gets me going. Um, and obviously, in order to build these decks and have these cool projects, you're going to have to have some kind of business side to it. And luckily enough, uh, the numbers and stuff kind of interest me enough that I, uh, I learn more about it and I start working more into it. Um, but it's really just like all research and uh, seeing what other guys are doing, what works for them, what doesn't work for them. Um, what can, I can take from them and kind of elaborate on my, uh, myself, but, um, like we've grown like huge as a company just in the, the year and a half we've been, cause like I said, we literally started off with a low square foot price. Um, and now like we have a pretty, uh, pretty complicated, uh, well, it's not complicated cause I can do it in a couple of minutes, but we have a pretty, uh, elaborate Google sheets, uh, document that I could spit out like the exact numbers. I know exactly how much money is going into my decking. I know exactly how much is going into my railing, um, fasteners, my labor, my business expenses, everything like that. Um, as well as I'm getting complete, uh, line item like numbers. So I can basically take it directly to my, uh, my suppliers and say, this is what I need. Right. So I think a lot of guys kind of get caught up on like, Oh, you know, to do little line item quotes and stuff like that, it's going to take time. And when I'm pumping out a bunch of quotes, I don't really want to be doing that. I just want to give them generic numbers. But like I said, I can literally go through, um, and our quote, uh, quote page, I want to say is like an eight or nine page, uh, process. And I can pump through them in like two minutes with, uh, with a deck quote. Um, obviously if you're getting into more, complex uh, decks and everything like that, uh, they can definitely take longer. But uh, for the most part, it's not that hard to get like a, a pretty exact number on what that, uh, what that deck should cost. It's interesting to you, to me, to listen to you mention that you have this kind of intense passion for the industry. And so kind of doesn't feel like work, right? You enjoy being in the, in the back end of things and kind of figuring things out and whatnot. And I, I do a bit of speaking in front of people and I always bring that up too. They, they always want to know the origin story of how I ended up doing what I'm doing. And part of that is always like, I at some point discovered this passion for decks and now I'm like the most passionate guy ever about this industry. And I can never explain why decks, like, I don't know where that came from. I don't know why that is what I kind of latched onto, but I did. So it's interesting to hear that there's another person out there just like me. We're going to get along just fine. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, like it, uh, it works. It works so great. Like, so for one, I love, absolutely love being outside, right? There's something about being fresh air, you're in the sun, 
you're getting your vitamin D and everything like that. I can spend my days outdoors doing what I love. I love building in general. Um, so to kind of combine those um, and then it's like the old thing that everyone says with deck building, you get to do a little bit of everything from the foundation to the framing to the finish work. Um, and then the huge thing for me is uh, in an industry like contracting and stuff like that, where it's so hard uh like there's so many bad contractors out there. There's so many bad customers and everything like that. Um, there's nothing worse than getting into like a, a kitchen renovation or something like that. And you go in with a, a budget of $60,000 and then all of a sudden you open up that wall and uh, you found asbestos or something like that. And you just added 20 K to that budget, right? Yeah. With decks, I can pretty much, unless I hit uh, some really shitty soil conditions, I know exactly that number from start to finish. And my customers like that whatever number I tell them at the beginning is the number they're getting billed at the end. You seem like you are, um, a student of the game. Uh, I'll say you, you do a lot of learning. Um, you do a lot of sharing, uh, but there's some resources that you have come to use, uh, that I'm familiar with as well. Cause I use a lot of these same things. Although some of the things you gave to me on your list are ones that I'm not familiar with. So now I've got some homework for myself to do, but you seem to, you're a big fan of this podcast. There's other podcasts you listen to. You're into the audible, the kind of passive listening type sources of education. Um, what yep. are some, what are some of the top resources that you found through like your, let's, let's say your favorite podcasts or your favorite books that you've been listening to. What are some of those? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so audible is, uh, it's huge for me. I spend a lot of time like either working or I'm in my vehicle. Um, so, you know, listening to music's great and everything like that, but you can only listen to the same song so many times. Right. So, um, one of the things I got into this year was the, uh, the audible books. Um, I've crushed through quite a few of them. Some I really enjoy, some I don't enjoy, but at the, at the end of the day, I can always take away something from all of them. Um, so a couple of the ones that I really enjoyed, uh, this year was uh, ride of a lifetime by, uh, Robert Iger, who's, uh, the CEO of, uh, Disney Corp. Um, so has absolutely nothing to do with my business, but, uh, he puts out some great value about leadership and everything like that, you know, creating a culture, um, keeping employees happy, employee retention. So even though it doesn't directly relate to me, it's all still business things that I can, uh, I can take into consideration and hopefully implement in some way into, uh, into my company. Right. Um, another one that I really enjoyed was uh, billion dollar whale which was, I don't know if you, uh, you went through it or not, but it was, um, uh, I think it was a Malaysian like, multi-billion dollar scandal where this guy basically set up uh, a fund in his company that was worth billions of dollars and basically just uh, he stole that money from uh, the country to go and party with uh, celebrities and expensive homes and yachts and everything like that. So uh, it probably wasn't the greatest uh, message or anything uh behind it but it was definitely uh entertaining to uh to hear and they had some name dropping of some pretty big uh celebrities and stuff like that so that uh that always uh piques your interest and kind of the, the last one that really uh stood out to me uh this year was can't hurt me by david goggins uh and it's basically impossible to like not listen to him and not be motivated like that guy i'll just kick you into shape so quick and you think your life sucks or whatever, you're going through some tough things. He'll go through something 10 times worse and like, it just finds a way to, uh, to get through all of it. And just, uh, his positive attitude and energy is, uh, pretty infectious. Do you, so do you use these resources as a source of motivation or is it more pure learning or is it 
entertainment or a little bit of everything or what's your, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's honestly a little bit of, uh, everything. Um, so I wish I had more time to just sit down and read, but, uh, unfortunately I don't. Um, so this is kind of a, a great resource for me that I'm always able to take in some of that knowledge. Um, and like I said, even if something like doesn't directly relate to me or my industry or my business or anything like that, there's still kind of like a, a message that you can take from kind of all these things and, just listening to, you know, great leaders and stuff like that. Uh, like there's always, there's always a takeaway, right? Right. And so outside yeah, of then, the, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. And then, so just currently I'm listening to, uh, to what it takes by, uh, Stephen uh, Schwarzman. Um, so once again, it, it's not really a direct related, uh, industry to me, but he's basically in, uh, like economics and everything like that. He runs like one of the largest, uh, head funds, but, it's the same thing. It just comes down to like leadership and seeing, uh, seeing what he's doing and what kind of works for him, what doesn't work for him and just creating that, uh, that culture within your company. Right. Right. And so outside of the audio books, um, which are awesome and outside of the ultimate deck podcast, yeah. which is awesome. What are some other, uh, what are some other right. relevant podcasts out there that you're taking interest in right now? Um, so a, like a local one, uh, when I say local, they're a few hours away type of thing, but, uh, Manny from hardcore Renos and, uh, Carl, I can't pronounce his last name. Uh, they have a, a podcast called, uh, the construction life. Um, and it's basically just a down and dirty. They don't sugarcoat anything. They cover a little bit of everything from, um, the business end of things to talking to different trades and everything like that. Um, and the thing that I like about them is they're just genuine. They don't sugarcoat anything. They tell it how they feel. And even if you don't agree with their feelings, they'll still tell you how they feel. Right. And I can, uh, I can definitely appreciate that. Um, and the other one that uh, I kind of liked and I went through pretty quickly because I would literally just listen like episode after episode was uh, the contractor sales Academy. Um, so that one definitely uh, related like, pretty uh pretty close to our business um they got some good messages for uh for estimating and quoting and everything like that and just making sure you're qualifying leads um which was kind of a, a huge issue for us uh last year uh, i don't have the exact numbers in front of me but i want to say between uh kind of april and may we probably went out and did like an actual on-site quote we probably did like north of a hundred of them um and we had like a pretty abysmal uh closing rate and Honestly, at the end of the day, I was just 100% my fault. I wasn't, uh, you know, vetting any clients. I just, I get a phone call, I get excited, and be like, you know what? I can go even if they have a, a smaller budget. Like I'm, I'm cocky enough that I think that I can go out to their site and sell them on, like sell them on me and sell them on my service. So, um, it's a, a bit of a bitter pill to uh, to swallow, and we've definitely uh, changed things in the the business since then, so that we can be a lot more. Uh, proficient in everything that we do. Um, but yeah, like I said, uh, just the messages that they, uh, they relay and what they're teaching and everything like that. That's, uh, that's some pretty powerful stuff. Yeah. That's, that's one of the, the most important things to do, I think for a, a deck builder is to learn how to say no to people. Because I think probably every go, everybody goes through that stage of trying to win every job or thinking that you need to win yeah. every job. Uh, yeah. and you don't actually find true happiness and relieve yourself of a ton of work until you learn to be able to vet people before you make the, the time investment into them on their project. Cause it's just not, not everybody is your customer. Not everybody's, you know, 
not everybody's able to yeah. afford or interested in what you're offering, but you're going to, if you're, if you're the guy who shows up first in Google to your point before about the Google AdWords, if you're the one who shows up there, you're going to get calls from all sorts of people, whether they're right for you or not. Yeah. And it's a huge time investment to go out on site and meet with people for an hour, hour and a half, and then go home and spend how much more time putting together an estimate for them and then communicating back and forth only to find out that it was never going to work in the first place. So that initial yeah, vetting yeah, is, so, is very important. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where uh, we kind of uh, got into uh, the CRM this year. So the client relations management. Yeah. Um, so that was actually one of my posts on, uh, on Instagram was just trying to get an idea of, you know, what people were using, what they uh, liked, what they didn't like and everything. Um, so I spent a bit of time. I got a lot of feedback on that uh, with what guys liked, what they didn't like. Um, so I basically, I'd go through and try and, uh, do like a quick cold notes on uh, the majority of them and see what actually worked and didn't work. Uh, and one that actually uh, it works, I think it's going to work extremely well for our business is called uh, Pipe Drive. Um, and it was actually uh, Leaf over at uh, Cascade Fence and Deck that kind of uh, put me on to that one. Um, and the great thing with that is it just, it's a, it's a paper trail. And we got a lot of comments from guys saying, oh, we're just small. We're not big enough to deal with client relations and stuff like that. Like I just keep it in a notepad and everything like that. Um, and I'll be the first to tell you we're, we're small, small. I, we're one guy and I have one employee that, uh, that works for me. So it's not like we're running huge crews or anything like that, but to have just the automated reminders that, you know, you need to follow up with this person or you need to do a follow up phone call or making sure that your proposals are getting sent out and you're not forgetting about something. Um, at the beginning of last year, like I said, we were literally just chasing our tails. Uh, I had like a hundred plus quotes in like the, the course of two months. So I was literally working every single day, then going out at night, doing three or four quotes, coming back, trying to get like actual proper quotes done and everything like that. And it was, it was impossible to keep up with, especially uh, with the pen and paper uh, method. And unfortunately, actually a couple of them uh, slipped through uh, the cracks or whatever. And then so we'd have plans to go out and see clients and then, I'd have it written down my book, but I don't have my book with me. So then I forget that that evening I had uh, a quote to, uh, to go do. Um, so we got a, a couple of pretty bad uh, negative feedbacks from that on, uh, on Google ads or Google reviews, um, which is big for us because we have a lot of pretty positive things um, said about us from like actual customers. Uh, but at the same time, I can't fault any of those people for leaving bad reviews because at the end of the day, it was my fault. Right. So I should have, uh, you know, handled the situation better and had better uh, track of it. But unfortunately I didn't. So that was one of the things I definitely needed this year. I needed to do better and keep track of. So having those, you know, client relations um, management programs in place so that I know exactly what stage every single deal is at. I know if I've sent them an introduction email, I know if I've had a phone call with them, if I've done a follow-up email, if we've discussed pricing, um, if I've done an on-site quote, um, how long has it been between each period type of thing, what the next action is I need to do, and just having that automated process that I know exactly where everything's at, I think is going to be huge for us this year. Yeah, it's the CRM thing was something I explored pretty heavily at the beginning of last year. Uh, I went through yep. that whole like software evaluation kind of period, if you want to call it that trying to figure, cause there's so many out there and so hard to, yeah, it was overwhelming. Like, the, and almost every single person had like a different response. Like every single person, like the different CRM software. 
Yeah. And I, I think, unfortunately, most people, they kind of either they just pick the first one that they see and then they get comfortable with it and they don't really explore options or they don't really know what else is out there. Um, so I made, I made a point of basically just like I said, I, I made that post on Instagram, find out what everyone was using, what they liked, what they didn't like. And I literally just I sat behind the computer for hours and hours and hours and kind of did a quick little cold notes through every single one. Um, and then narrowed it down to uh, a few that I thought could kind of work and what people were really liking. Um, and then I explored those ones a little bit further. And then from there, um, we found uh, pipe drive that uh, it works extremely well, uh, extremely well for us. Um, and so thanks to, to Lee from uh, Cascade Fence and Deck and, I just I pass on that knowledge too, right? So I've I've already had discussions with like Dustin from Aztec uh, Dex and Kevin from uh, NFDI and everything like that um, about using those programs and like how they see that they would fit um, in their business or what they would like to see different and everything like that. Yeah. Um, so that's that's worked out great for us. The most frustrating thing, or part for me when I was going through that evaluation, was that I didn't really know what exactly these CRMs were supposed to do for me, and so it was tough for me to evaluate them when I didn't exactly know <laughs> how exactly. I was going to be using it or what they were what they were doing, or even understand the verbiage that they were using to describe their features. It was very, very foreign to me. We ended up um, sitting down and trying out last year HubSpot, which I don't know if that one was in your... In yeah, your... it was definitely in, uh, it was in the list. That was one of the ones that kind of made it through uh, to the final stages. But like I said, uh, Pipedrive just seemed to be like a perfect fit for us. And once again, what works for us doesn't work for everyone, right? So right. don't just take my word for it. Go out and do your research, see what works for you, and go by that, right? So For sure, yeah. The, the, the intriguing, how we ended up with HubSpot, I think, is because I was so green on what these things were going to do for me, I wanted, I didn't want a big investment up front. And HubSpot, of course, has yep. a good amount of their features are free, including the sales pipeline utility, which is kind of sounds like what you're finding value in as well. And so you're at least able to yep. try that out and see if it works for you without investing anything. The trouble with HubSpot is that they've got so many other fantastic features, but the price creep is very high on it. So if you want to start adding some of the paid features, you go from zero to a lot in a short amount of time. But if you're just looking for the basic features, I found it to be a quite a valuable tool as well. Yeah. So we actually like within a couple of days um, of using pipe drive, we knew that there was going to be some of the paid features that would be extremely helpful to us. Um, So we ended up just basically canceling our trial and going right to a, sorry, a paid uh, subscription. Right. Uh, And like, so some of the things I like, I just absolutely love about that is it integrates with my phone and my email. Um, so I know every single point of contact with that customer. I know when I've emailed them, I've known when I've had phone calls with them. I know how long I've talked to them. I can make notes in those files as well. Like this is what we discussed over that two minute period. Um, so it's just having a, an actual paper trail that's not in a notepad that's going to get lost. And I can access it from all my devices. I can access it from my phone. I can access it from my laptop. I can access it from my desktop. Right. Yeah, it's there's no doubt that it's an invaluable tool for those who don't know what it is. I, I would encourage a lot of people to go give one of these things a try. Get on a free trial or try HubSpot that's free um, and just see. Because for us, I didn't understand. The, I, I thought about getting into a CRM for probably a year or two prior to, prior to actually taking it seriously and trying it. And then once we got yeah. into it, it was like, oh, now I get it. Now I understand why everybody says you need to have one of these things. Um, unfortunately, yeah. it was something that we, at the start of this year, kind of got 
got off of. We it, it does require a bit of extra manual work, but it's just having that visual of the different stages of your of your sales process, um, having that visual there to remind you, so you're not having to go through paper folders, and it just keeps you a lot more organized uh, at the at, at a glance. Yeah. Which was absolutely the value that we saw. so. I, I can't really speak to HubSpot because I didn't play with it too much. Yeah. Um, so once again, one of the huge things that sold me with PipeDrive is I can literally integrate my leads that come in directly from my website. So any lead that I get from my website gets directly punched into PipeDrive automatically. So I'm not having to go and take that information and manually entering it. The second that someone fills it with a form on my website, I get a lead in PipeDrive. Sure. Um, so that's definitely nice. Um, the other thing that we're looking into doing as well, um, because May or April and May are just like under all the your phone rings nonstop, you can't get anything done, is actually outsourcing uh, our calling. Um, and what they're going to do as well is just handle all those leads so that they can just input them right into uh, to sales or sorry, into, uh, into pipe drive. And then we have all that information. And right away, you can set up like just automatic funnels so that as soon as a lead comes in, you can have it automatically generate an email to send out like, Hey, thank you for reaching out to Syncodex. I might come your point of contact. Um, here's a couple of things that uh, might interest you, whether you're sending them like some information on some of the products you use. Yep. Um, so they have a better idea when you're actually talking to them too. Um, Cause a, a number of the times customers don't know exactly what they're looking for. They don't have an idea of their exact sizes. They don't have an idea of exact budget. They might even have, you know, a five or ten thousand dollar budget in mind, and then they describe something. You're like, "Well, that's a that's a twenty five thousand dollar deck," and they they honestly just don't know. It's not that they didn't want to spend twenty five thousand dollars. It's just that they thought ten thousand dollars was a sufficient budget budget, right? So, yeah, for sure. Um, you'd mentioned a couple of guys that you have uh, established a relationship with to kind of bounce ideas off of and learn from. Um, NFDI yep. these, and these guys are on Instagram for those who are out there, maybe not following them yet. NFDI neighborhood fence and deck, um, Aztec carpentry, Aztec decks, I guess he is now, uh, you mentioned as well and cascade fence and deck as well. Are there other guys that you're kind of yep. have that really? Cause I mentioned this when we were down in Louisville, uh, I think on the podcast at the decorators booth, I had mentioned that Wade and I noticed you and Kevin from NFDI kind of sitting off in a corner at supper the one night going through kind of the same conversation we're having right now, really getting into the business side of things, which he thought was really cool. Um, because there's, there's a lot of, at these events, there's a lot of chitter chatter about, about work and about how to do different things, physically building a deck, but there's not a whole lot of that, um, how to run the business kind of chat that happens, but it's starting to so you mentioned a few yeah. guys you have those chats with. Are there other guys that you're inspired by, not only from the craftsmanship side, but from like how to run your business that you, you've learned from? Yeah. So the good thing with us is that we have, like you said, the local guys that literally they don't compete directly in our market, but they're close enough that they're dealing with the exact same thing. They're the same product, same um, distribution and everything like that. Yeah. Uh, really similar pricing and everything. Um, so they're only like an hour, hour and a half away from me. So to have them is huge to, to you know, go back and forth. Um, Kevin and I have met up like a couple of times, like in the evening and stuff like that. We'll go out to uh, have dinner and a couple of drinks or whatever like that. And uh, it was actually funny the one time we went to St. Louis and Kevin literally brought his entire desktop computer and set it up at the bar at St. Louis. And we just like, we go through all our documents what he's using, what he likes, what he doesn't like, what I'm using, what I like, don't like, what that's we can awesome. do to kind of make them both better and everything like that. Um, so that's huge locally. Um, 
when you, when you, know, you say de- the, when you say desktop, like he brought an actual desktop. I'm talking computer? like a full full Mac top, <laughs> uh, desktop computer. It was hilarious. Well, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, like I, and not even a little one. Like I'm talking like this thing was like a 28 inch monitor. Like he's got it in both hands, bringing it into the restaurant. Yeah, we got to, we got some looks in there, but uh, at the end of the day, it didn't really matter. It was uh, it was great for both of us. We were able to share some great information, and we both took uh, took a lot away from that. That's awesome. Yeah. How about beyond? Like those guys, I know are all kind of in and around you. Um, the internet yeah. the internet makes the world a pretty small place. You can communicate with anybody. Are there other guys that you kind of keep in touch with? Yeah, so uh, the Vinyl Guys is one uh, we've kind of reached out to uh, recently. I honestly, I didn't follow him. I didn't know who he was before uh, before Deck Expo or anything like that. Um, but he's uh, he's been great. He's got a pretty similar uh, mindset to me. He's doing some great things. He does some great work and everything like that. Um, so he's been great to, to bounce ideas back and forth uh, with. Obviously, you got uh, Mark Infinite Decks. They do some crazy projects. You got uh, Jason from Dr. Decks. They do unreal stuff. Um, old Brucey from uh, Donegan uh, Decking. I actually just had like a an hour long conversation with them there uh, last night. It was nice, a little uh, video chat and everything like that. So it's uh, it's interesting to see what uh, what goes on over there. Like they have just a completely different set of struggles with distribution and everything like that, and things we take for granted here in uh, in North America that they're they're fighting to get over there, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. That's awesome. That's, that's, that's one of the coolest things, how small this community is becoming with, with Instagram, yeah, with no, Facebook, because there's Facebook groups as well, right? I think a lot of these relationships start on Instagram. That's, that seems to be kind of where the most established community is, but there's also been these Facebook groups that have popped up recently as well, that uh, there's a couple of them out there, like the deck builder professionals. And I think you're in that group, right? Yeah, so we, I just found out about it. I'm not uh, I'm not huge on Facebook. I think which is the case kind of for a lot of guys. A lot of guys just like the simplicity of Instagram. Um, but one of the, the great things that I'll take um, from Facebook is it's so much easier to organize like groups and conversations and everything like that. Um, like you you just have everything in in one group, one place, right? Whereas Instagram, I might make a post on CRM and then another guy like. Uh, Mike over at uh, Deck Phenom, he like he does a whole bunch of posts and everything like that. He's trying to get like the discussions rolling and stuff like that as well. Um, but you know, to try and remember exactly where I saw this or where I saw that or coming back to it later doesn't always make sense. Whereas when you have the Facebook group, you've literally got basically just a feed of all that information, and people are asking great questions and people are providing great uh, great feedback. Right. Right. So, right. Yeah, I don't. I I wouldn't consider myself super active in those groups. I'm there, and so if they ha- if the conversation happens to pop up into my feed, sometimes I get I partake in it. But I think I was underestimating yeah. how much is going on in these groups until I was just down at um, the in Grand Rapids the other day at the National Nail thing. And some, camo there. Yeah, and some of the some of the people that were in that room, rec- they said they recognized me from those groups. And I was, <laughs> I was like, I don't even feel like I'm on that group that much, <clears throat> but they had recognized my yeah, exactly. uh, profile picture, I guess, or something. Or yeah. And I had met with, uh, outside of this, but decorators, uh, is also located in Grand Rapids. So I made a point of meeting, uh, or Jace, I should say, made a point of reaching out to me. So we went for breakfast the one morning and it came up again there. Jace was like, his phone was going nuts. And he's like, man, I didn't know about these Facebook groups. He's like, but, 
since I joined this one here, he's like, my stream of messages into me is constant out of that group. Like I post one thing and all of a sudden I've got people yeah. contacting me constantly. And so I think I myself was underestimating the activity. There. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so I find the, the funniest part from that. So Instagram, everyone's known by their Instagram handle, their company name. Like I'm known as Simcodex. People don't know me as Mike, right? Yep. But you go to the Facebook group and then it, everyone's known by their name. That's right. So it's carry over is huge. But like, if you don't, if you're just following, you know, like all decked out or something like that on Instagram, like you don't know like what you do, but you, you can't remember always like their, their name and stuff behind it. So it's kind of funny going over to Facebook and then it's like actual more personable like name thing too. Right. Yeah, for sure. I remember my first trip down to IBS a few years ago, the first time I ever went to IBS, I had, uh, I had tried to introduce myself to a couple of people that I follow on Instagram and I had a fairly yep. good following as well. And this was back when I was still, my Instagram account was still fresh decks. And so I had introduced myself to a couple yep. people like Brad Goslink and a few of these other guys and was like, Hey, how's it going? I'm, my name's Shane. And they would kind of look at me blankly. Like, am I supposed to, <laughs> am I supposed to know who you are? And I'd be like, Oh, yeah, exactly. like fresh decks. They're like, Oh, fresh decks. Yeah. I know fresh decks, but they had no idea what your actual name was. Right. So I've since yeah, changed no. my name. I got that uh, pretty big in uh, when I went down to Louisville this year with you guys at the at Deck Expo. Yeah, I bet. Um, yeah. So the Instagram, I uh, I tried to keep it basically just focused on like the work and everything like that. I didn't really make it too much about me or you know showing my own face and everything like that. I really just wanted it to be about like the product that we were you know delivering to our clients and stuff like that. So I'd get down there and everyone's like, oh yeah, like Simcoe Dex, but they like they knew Simcoe Dex, but they had no idea who I was, right? Like yep. they had no idea of like the face that's behind the company and everything like that. Yeah. So it's exactly. been kind of like a, in the back of my mind going forward is just to try and be like a little bit more personable and everything like that uh, behind it, so that Simcoe Dex is kind of associated with me and doesn't have its own identity, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think it's I think that's that's kind of. Um the reality of social media, the stage of social media that we're getting into is, is businesses starting to open up and showing their personalities and showing who's behind the brand kind of thing. So I think that's probably not a terrible way to go about it. Are you hearing those same beeps I'm hearing? I feel like I've lost you here, Mike. We might have to redial back in with Mike here. I think we've lost connection with him. So give me one minute here, folks. This has been such a good conversation with Mike. I, uh, we do a lot of these, but, um, we do a lot of these podcasts and we learn a lot about the origin stories of people and kind of what gets them ticking. But I think, uh, Mike from Simcoe Dex is very big on the business side of things and the analytics and the numbers behind it, which I've mentioned a lot of times in the past that I feel like that is the part that deck building contractors struggle with the most. Everybody knows how to build a really good deck, but not many come into their business having a lot of experience running the business prior, prior. So this is a great conversation we're having with Mike here. Hopefully we can get him back on the line. Uh, Hello? Hey, Mike, you there? Yeah. I think I we, we somehow lost you for a little bit there. Yeah. Good. Well, I was able to fill the time talking about nothing <laughs> <laughs> until we got you back. So that's good. Hopefully uh, no one will even know if it was gone. Yeah. So this is all great that uh, analyzing all this data that you have and these leads that are coming in, we mentioned a little bit about the Google ads and whatnot, but what other sources are you finding you're having success with finding people, your lead generation, finding customers, where are you, where are they coming from for you? I know there's been some conversation, especially recently because of the time of year about home shows and whatnot. Is that something that you 
are utilizing? Yep. Is there other sources? Yeah, so this was like the the first year that I even really like looked into it or thought about it or anything like that. Um, so I don't live in a, a huge area, but it's, it's big enough. Uh, our population kind of in our area is about 150,000. Um, so we don't have huge home shows, but we get, you know, enough traffic through there that I kind of thought it made sense. Um, so I just started exploring the option of it, but I knew right away, like right from the beginning that I didn't want to just have a, a table and a tablecloth that said Simcoe Dex on it. I wanted it to be something that someone comes and they're like, wow, like this is what you guys do. This is options. These are possibilities. Um, so I had no idea how I was going to go. I reached out to uh, a couple of our um, suppliers and stuff like that um, pretty early on. Um, and a lot of people were, you know, they're backing it. They're on board for it. Um, I had uh, like some other companies that honestly, we haven't used a, a ton of their product, but they were still like, they were super excited to help out and get behind it and everything like that. So I'm hoping that having their products at the home show and everything like that will kind of help clients see and visualize things instead of just seeing like a, a couple of pictures of it or seeing a brochure or something like that to actually like see something in person. This is how it kind of works. This is how it ties in with everything else. Um, and just seeing an overall picture, I think it's going to be one good for our sales. And then also, you know, help get into some of these added accessories and stuff like that with like privacy screens and lighting and pergola options, patio furniture and all that. Sure. I think there seems to be a very polarizing opinions about home shows. Some guys are very much about them and others are very much not. Yeah. You, I know you've been kind of having that conversation with people. Is that something you notice as well? Yeah, absolutely. There's, you know, it basically it's one of two ways. Guys will love them or guys think they're a complete waste of time and uh, time and money. Um, I'm honestly not going into it with huge expectations, but at the very least, I just want to have some brand awareness and everything like that. Um, and even if we don't close deals at the home show or anything like that, I, at least they come by, they see some Codex booth. It's a booth that they remember there. Um, that stands out to them. And even if they're not looking for a deck this year or next year or something, hopefully down the line, just seeing my name pop up a couple of times and the quality that we're associated with will be the first call when they actually like time comes to build that project. Right. Yeah. And I think that, I think your attitude towards it is the right one, or it's at least most similar to mine. So I think that because we share opinions at the right, um, <laughs> yep. uh, but I think that's, <laughs> the di- <laughs> I think that's the difference between somebody who, who says they're a good idea and somebody who doesn't is their approach to it. If you're expecting to show up there and your, your idea of success is that you walked away from it with 30 jobs booked well, you're, there's a good chance you're going to end up disappointed and think it's a waste of time. But if you're, but if you're somebody who's there more from the understanding that, listen, I'm just here to expose my brand a little bit. I understand that people don't make decisions on the spot all the time, especially in this industry. Uh, but that I just want to build some awareness and build some relationships and just kind of teach people what we're about, then that's a lot harder to quantify, but long-term it's a, it's a, it's more valuable in my opinion. And so we've always been a part of our local home show and we've seen the the results of that. People walk into our store all the time saying that's what they learned, learned about us from. And actually we had a customer this year that ended up uh, buying a fairly sizable project from us this year. And she had mentioned that she had basically been to the home show every of the last three years that we've been in it and had seen us at it each year. And that was like her presence and seeing us there and seeing us, how we dealt with people there for the last three years is what led her to finally decide that they were going to come do it with us as opposed to anybody else or try to 
manage this project themselves. And so like, you don't know yeah, that, absolutely. that, that doesn't give you an ROI after your first home show, but little by little that, that, that value and that, um, the brand that we were building by her seeing us over and over again in the end cashed in for us. Right. And so it's hard to find that in the numbers. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And even if they don't, like you said, if they're not going with you this year, maybe they don't go with you next year or something, but they've seen you at the home show. They kind of remember, they remember from last year, then all of a sudden they Google local deck builder, or they're looking for a local deck builder and your name pops up again, then they're more likely to go with you anyway, because they feel like they kind of have a bit of that relationship with you. They know what you're associated with. They know what you do yep. opposed to just having five guys that pop up and they don't really know you know, who to go with. Right. So just, it helps, uh, differentiate yourself that way. Yeah, for sure. It also depends on your business model, I guess, too, as to, for us, obviously as a dealer on the side of things, we want to have as many customers as we can. The more people walking through and buying things, the better. And, um, you know, as we grow, if the business grows, we just hire more people to handle the business. There are other models with contractors though, that say like, Oh, I'm, I want to stay as a one man crew. Cause I want to be able to control quality and we only want to book 12 jobs a year. If that's kind of your model, maybe the home shows don't make sense. Cause you can book your 12 jobs through referrals and through other means that don't require a full week's investment of time and money into, um, what essentially is cold leads when you can kind of more effectively, you know, but if you're, but if you're somebody who's wanting just a massive business, I think it's a good place to be. Yeah. And like, even going back to the point where, you know what, you're just relying on word of mouth and referral and everything like that. And you might be booking that your, your goal might be 15, 20 decks a year and you're booking up your 15, 20 decks a year, every single year, you're happy. Money's coming in, your employees are happy, but even like, let's just say you're taking, two or three projects on that, you know, maybe they aren't the greatest fit for you or they're not a project that you're absolutely in love in, but you're taking them to fill your schedule, right? So if you've got brand awareness and everything like that, and you've got some different sources of leads coming in, then all of a sudden you can be a lot more, even though you're not looking for high volume of turnaround and jobs and everything like that, you can be a lot more selective of what you're taking in. For sure. Yeah. Yep. That's, there's truth to that too. Um, You also mentioned in some of our pre-show notes here that you use, or you at least mentioned magazine ads, is that something you've done stuff with? Have you found success in using print? Um, no. So we've, it's obviously it's one of the things that out there we get um, like cold called quite a bit um, about magazine ads, um, but it's nothing that we've ever looked into. Um, even just running like, like half page ads here and everything like that. Like you're looking at two to $3,000 for like a half page ad. And to me, I, I don't ever see like a return in that. Um, maybe some guys they do or they don't or whatever. Um, I've talked to like, a couple of people that they don't really see the, the value in it, but at the same time, they're just looking more at the brand awareness and everything. Um, so I was just kind of curious to what everyone else, uh, what their opinions were with the, the magazine ads and all that. I think the general uh, trend of people's opinions on that is that to your point, it's an expensive medium and the return is hard to justify on it. I, we've never, so when we first opened the store four years ago, the first thing we did was book in one of these little magazines in a subdivision that was yep. brand new, had a bit of a, like a neighborhood magazine. And we thought, well, that's great. That there's a ton of new homes going up there. This magazine is distributed only to that area. Um, this could be a really good thing. So we, we, we booked in for that on a six or sorry, a three year six month seasonal contract. So for three years we would run ads in the magazine for six months over summer thinking that would be a good investment. 
I don't know that <laughs> I think we had two people ever visit the store that mentioned they had seen us in that magazine. And I don't know that either of them bought. It turned out for us that we spent a fair amount of money, a fair bit of money in there that I don't know ever, ever showed a return. And so we haven't, we haven't touched a print ad since essentially. I, it's just so expensive it's, for what it is. Lot, yeah, it's expensive and it's a lot harder to manage and to know exactly where things are coming from. When you're using stuff like Google AdWords and I literally have an entire page of analytics that are sitting right in front of me, I can tell exactly when people are viewing my ad the most, what days are most popular, what my demographic is. I've got all this information in front of me that's directly related to my business. Whereas when I'm running print ads or if I were to run print ads, I have zero feedback on it. I'm just, I'm hoping people looked at it. I'm hoping people mentioned that they saw it in the ad when they do come in. Well, yeah, there's, just, there's no real tracking it. The only analytic you get out of that is their distribution numbers, which the guy selling the ad is really big on. Did you know this goes to 20,000 yeah, exactly. homes? Yeah. 20,000 homes. Great. But what are people doing with it? <laughs> if yeah. it goes to 20,000 yeah, mailboxes, that's that fine. Thrown out at 60% of the, yeah. 15% of them go straight to the trash. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it's one that we haven't really seen much success with. I don't, I don't anticipate us. Uh, I don't anticipate that media making a comeback anytime soon. If they, dr- I mean, yeah. all, all advertising has value to it. It's just that on some of them right now, they're becoming old and they're overpriced. They haven't reduced the viewership and the effectiveness of some channels of, of advertising is dropping yet. The prices have remained stagnant. And so it just doesn't make sense for some of yeah. these, is my opinion, but yeah. And our, our biggest thing is I don't have an unlimited budget for advertising, right? So I've got a certain amount of ad dollars that I need to work efficiently for me. Right. So yes. I, I don't want to take half of them and put them into a magazine where I could take that money. That's literally going to, you know, produce like, 20 times those results, right? Exactly. So. Yep. Another uh, topic that you had kind of jotted down here was kind of some thoughts around setting up a business. Uh, and I, I, I like some of the point notes that you're making here because I feel like this is something we're still growing into ourselves and learning a lot about, but the points you had mentioned here were kind of, were, you know, not being dependent on yourself, kind of the business, not being solely dependent on one person or yourself, taking care of your body, yeah. workplace safety, employee retention, all that kind of stuff. Tell me a little bit more about what you had in mind behind that, because I feel like this is a learning moment for me. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm completely honest. Our business is solely resting on me. If I'm down or something happens to me, basically the business is, it's not running, right? So it's not making money. It's not doing anything if I'm not directly involved. Um, And that's both the business end and building end, right? Um, So I actually went down with the, a freak uh, foot accident this year. Um, I sprained my ankle pretty good, and it was really the dumbest thing ever. I was just walking out of my uh, my trailer, r- rolled my ankle, sprained it, and I was two weeks. I couldn't even walk on this thing. Like I couldn't even put the slightest amount of pressure. Nothing. Um, luckily, I'm pretty upfront and honest with all my clients. I have a pretty good relationship with them. Um, they knew what was going on, what had happened, and everything like that. It's obviously one of those things that uh, it's kind of out of your control, but it, it was a real big eye opener for me that if something, you know, does happen to me or anything like that, like how am I bringing in money? I still have bills and everything that I need to uh, get to pay and take care of. And if I'm down and I'm out and I can't work, then that's, uh, that's definitely an issue. So um, trying to put in like some systems in place or, you know, sharing some things with the business with employees or getting um, employees that are actually like, interested in the business and everything like that is, uh, is definitely huge that you can kind of make it more of a group thing instead of an individual thing. Um, I think most people just get scared that if they start sharing that and start doing that with their employees and everything like that, they become 
they go from a worker to basically a business person, right? And what's to stop them from going out and starting their own? Where to me, I have like an ass backwards approach to it. Like you want to be like grooming someone that's, you know, they're good for your business and everything like that. And to me, if I groom my employees so good that they're, well, they want to go out on their own and they think they can be successful. I'm definitely, I'm all for it. Like to me, that's a, it's almost a pat on my back that this is like, this is what I produced. Right. Yep. So absolutely. I, maybe it's not the greatest for employee retention, and everything like that. But I think uh, like creating that company uh, culture and everything that goes behind it is a huge part to it. Right. Have you going back to the book conversation, have you read or listened to a book called the E-Myth? I haven't, but I, and so uh, I actually just saw that one that came up in the Facebook group. So I had like a, a wish list on Audible that's probably like thirty bucks deep right now. Yep. Um, and I actually moved that one up uh, up my list a bit because there was quite a few people that did uh, did mention reading it. Yeah, I think you should move that one up quite high on your list. I just it's uh, written by Michael Gerber. It uh, I actually yep. came across this book um, a few months ago listening to a podcast that's not related to this industry, but uh, definitely related to kind of entrepreneurship and businesses. Um, and there was a there was, I believe it was the owner of edible arrangements. So there's a podcast yep. I listened to called how I built this. And yep. I love that podcast. It's just a, it's just origin stories from a lot of big brands that are out there, kind of how they got their start, the struggles they went through, et cetera. And I, I love That's listening to that. Pardon me. Like, it's pretty a big podcast, too. Isn't like one of the top trending like business. Podcasts? Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a big big podcast, very highly listened to. So, uh, and it's the one podcast that I've been able to get my wife to listen to on the road. So <laughs> she's got no interest in listening to my own podcast. She's got yeah. no, like a lot of the ones I listen to, they're, they're a bit dry for her, but this one, she's like, well, these are kind of cool. Like she likes it too. So anytime we're on the road together, that's what we listen to. Cause I can get her buy-in on it. But we were listening to one and they were interviewing the, the uh, founder of edible arrangements. And he mentioned this book. He had mentioned that there was kind of like this turning point in his business and it came after listening to this book, The E-Myth. And I had actually not heard of it before. A lot of my um, referrals for listening material come from these podcasts. Other entrepreneurs would be like, man, I listened to this book. It changed my life. Well, this is the book he mentioned. And so I yeah. right away looked it up and was like, what, is, like, what is this even? It doesn't, to me, it sounds like it's some sort of e-commerce book is by the title, but it, it's not at all. But it's a book all about kind of what you're talking about now and getting yourself out of the day to day of the business by put implementing systems and processes um, so that everybody in your business can succeed and that you don't need to hire the most qualified person uh, in your business because you think that you need that kind of person to alleviate the stress off you. It's about putting systems in place that anybody can succeed with. And yeah. Man, listening through that first eight chapters was was basically as if somebody wrote a book about what's happened in our business for the last couple of years. It was like his his understanding of how businesses work when you don't have the proper systems in place. It was exactly how things have worked for us these last few years. And so we had Yeah, absolutely. We had started to understand that a bit probably in the middle of last year. It's like, boy, we gotta change some things. And this book now has just given us a I guess confirmation, affirmation about what we're trying to do and some major guiding principles to, to implement these systems and processes that we're doing right now. So to your point, if you're looking, if anybody out there is looking to transform their business to do what you're saying here, get yourself out of it a little bit and get your people um, more engaged and, and reduce turnover. It's a pretty good book to listen to. So put that one on your list for sure. Yeah. And you, like you don't even, 
companies that take the approach or look at that, like you're getting out of the day to day or you're not going to be as more involved or anything like that. I don't think you're giving away decision making or anything like that. It's just setting yourself up so that you have like a supporting cast around you that's making you even better type of thing. Right. Exactly. Instead of just being solely based on yourself, you're the only one that's making decisions. You're the only one that's doing anything. Um, You get everyone involved and it, it only makes you better. Right. And you're, and your employees, they appreciate you more because they see what's going on behind the scenes instead of just seeing you like nine to five at work. They see, you know, the other stuff that's involved in it as well. And then they appreciate the fact that you're involving them and bringing them in and then you're, you know, giving that trust to them, right? So it makes them want to produce more for you as well. For sure, yep. You mentioned- It's actually funny you mentioned that too uh, with the, the wife in the car. So like I said, I do quite a bit of- uh, bit of driving so it's always one of the, the sticking points uh i actually just got engaged recently yes um, but it's one of the sticking uh for me is trying to find something that we can both uh listen to we both love country music but uh finding like these actual podcasts and stuff like that and stuff that we can relate to and uh and listen to and both enjoy is uh it's kind of a one of those sticking things so maybe we'll uh we'll look into that business uh podcast how i built this is that what it's called yeah how i built this uh, with Guy, somebody, I can't remember his name. His first name's Guy, but it's big. Yeah. And my other favorite one is called Business Wars, if you haven't heard of that one too. Uh, Business Wars is a, the way they tell, the way they, they narrate the podcast is very storybook format, but they tell the histories yeah. between some of the biggest brands in different industries and their rivalry throughout the years. So you'll have uh, podcasts that are, and it's usually about a six or seven part. So it's kind of like a six or seven hour um commitment to this thing, but they break it up into chunks, but it'll be things yeah. like Coke versus Pepsi or Nike versus Adidas or, you know, all these big brands and how they've kind of battled throughout the years and how, how they came to be. And it, I find it super interesting again, not super related to the decking yeah. industry itself, but just for somebody who enjoys business, it's a, it's a fun one to listen to. Yeah. And then going back to like the audible. So that was kind of the, one of the things uh, from the ride of a lifetime from uh, Robert Iker there. Uh, so Disney's obviously a, a huge company, but they've had like their share of uh, you know problems throughout the years. And one of the things was one of their biggest divisions now is Pixar. Um, and Disney didn't always own Pixar. It was created by uh, or it was actually I think it was created by Lucas uh, Films, and then Steve Jobs bought it from Apple. Yeah. Um, and then the old CEO of Disney didn't get along with the Apple CEO, so it was like a huge turmoil between the two. And then. When he came in, it was like bringing the two companies together and finding it so that how they could work together and stuff like that. And I always find it like fascinating when you get like, you know, companies that are that large, like obviously the, the egos are out of this world, right? So finding ways that they can come to common grounds and work together and, you know, how they're dealing with all their different adversities and everything is uh, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's always fun to hear other people. And th- that's when you, you can t- take a step back and understand the scale of some of these companies and how they work and operate. And to what we were just talking about, the whole systems and processes and getting things to work smoothly in your business, all the big ones have figured that out a long time ago. So that's the yeah, exactly. the piece I'm trying to make with myself sometimes is understanding like uh, I'm a small business and my problems aren't that big. If there's a solution to it already out there, it's not, it's not, it shouldn't be as overwhelming as it is sometimes if we had the the appropriate things in place to deal with them. So it's like, that's how people scales through that. So um, you mentioned earlier with your trade show, the home show that you had talked to a few different brands about uh, helping out with the trade show. And some of them that you don't, haven't really done much with in the past, we're still eager to help out. What's your take on, 
brand loyalty within the industry? Do you kind of find yourself latching onto a single brand of decking and railing, or do you like to keep your options more open? What do you show to customers? How does that all work? Oh, I think we've lost you again here. Let's try you back there. Yeah. Drops you. not driving. Dropped you again. Something. I'm not sure when you cut yeah. off, but I was just asking, where, where did you hear up until I was asking about the home show? Yeah. Did I lose you there? Uh, uh, I didn't hear anything about uh, the home show. I kind of just caught into when you were dealing with like the whole systems and everything like that. And uh, Oh, I see. Uh, yeah. So my next thought was I was asking, referring back to your home show, you mentioned that you were, you reached out to a few brands to kind of help out with the home show and your display and that you had talked to a couple brands that you hadn't really dealt with much before, but they were still eager to help. What's your kind of take on the whole thing? Like your whole strategy, as far as products go, do you find yourself fairly brand loyal to certain brands of decking and railing, or do you like to keep your options a little bit more open, show the customers more options? How do you, what's your position there? I definitely, um, at the end of the day, I want to sell what, in my opinion, is the best option to my client. Um, there's a lot of de- like great uh, brands and everything out there. And I'm not even just talking about decking. We're talking railing. We're talking accessories. There's competition in every single market, right? Um, so it's finding just, uh, you know, companies that align good with your business model, that work good with you, that you enjoy installing, that you think are going to, you know, last over time um, and associating with companies that you feel that are going to be in there for the long run. So if you ever do have issues down the road, they're there to back you. Right. Um, so I wouldn't say like, I'm not sponsored by any company. There's no company that pays me to do anything. I can choose whatever product I want. Um, but there's certain products that we, uh, we enjoy working with and everything like that. So we reached out to those reps um, and like I said, it was kind of overwhelming. I was hoping that like a couple of them would, uh, would sign up, but pretty much almost every single company, uh, was on board. Um, one of the nice ones was, was the hideaway screens out where you guys are. Um, we haven't used a lot of their product, but it's definitely a product, uh, we like. Our issue here is that we run into engineering uh, concerns. Um, so it's, doesn't always make the most sense, but to me, it's like just such a beautiful product and everything like that. And it, it looks great, uh, feels great and everything like that. So I haven't sold a ton of his products, but I reached out to him and said, Hey, I'd like to incorporate this into my home show booth. I think it could be a lot better seller for us if we get, you know, customers on board and can actually see it and everything like that. Uh, and he was like, yeah, literally whatever you want, we'll send you, we'll help you out. Uh, he actually even offered to like come in for a day or two to help me out with the home show too. So Right, um, yeah. yeah, that's good. He actually, uh, he did spend some time in our booth last year as well. We had his stuff on display and, and he made the same offer to come out and kind of work the show with us. We've always kind of tapped into that a little bit with our reps and yeah. contractors and whatnot to help out the home show, just provide some more, some more perspective and some more bodies in the, in the booth, right? Sometimes it gets a little hairy in there, but well, the biggest thing is the cost associated with the booth too, right? If I were to sit here and go and yes. buy all these products out of my own pocket, like this booth would add up uh, pretty quick. I don't know if you've seen our uh, our design on Instagram there, but it's definitely not a, a simple booth by any means, right? So yep. the fact sure. that all these companies are willing to back me and support me and everything like that, it's uh, you know, it's a, a huge confidence boost for me as well, and it makes me feel better about using these companies that they're not just after my dollars type of thing. They're there to support me as well. That's right. Yeah. You, so aside from your old local home show, you've obviously been to deck expo. I, that's where I met you the first time in person was down in Louisville at deck expo. You also went to landscape Ontario Congress. Is that the name of the show? Landscape Ontario 
What's that show called? Yeah, they just call it Hello Congress. So it's the Landscape Ontario uh, okay. show here. So that was just on um, this week. So was, yep. So that was uh, just this week. They ran it for uh, for three days. Um, landscaping doesn't make up any of our business. We don't dabble in any of that. Um, but the nice thing about that was I talked to a bunch of these local landscapers and stuff like that from Instagram. So to actually go down there and get to meet them and actually put a face to everyone, you know, shake hands, have conversations and stuff like that. Um, and brainstorm ways that we can kind of work together to, uh, you know, produce better products for both of us. Yep. Uh, was hugely uh, beneficial. Um, there wasn't a huge, uh, huge deck presence there, but they had uh, some deck brands and everything. But like I said, it was just building those relationships with different suppliers and retailers and different people in the, in the business. Um, that that's where, that's where the money is. Uh, same thing with, uh, with deck expo, you're not going there to, you know, necessarily, see the new products or meet with, uh, you know, see what they have in store, but you're going there to meet with uh, the people, to communicate with people, to be in front of people. So you're actually making those connections because even Instagram as great as it is, at the end of the day, it's two faces behind a screen, right? It's, uh, yeah. it's nice, but it's not, uh, you know, the most personable option. So to go and actually be face to face with someone and, you know, make that genuine connection is, uh, it goes a long way. Are you going to IBS this year? Uh, I'm not going to go to IBS. Um, I kind of got a, enough stuff going on back at home between trying to get this home show booth going. Um, I just got engaged. We're getting ready to move into our new house in like the next month and everything. So um, it just doesn't make sense for me time-wise. Um, as well as my kind of general take from that is IBS is just a little bit overwhelming with too much stuff. Yep. Um, so... Yeah, we're not uh, we're not going to attend IBS uh, this year. Maybe down the road we will or whatever. But uh, we'll make plans to hit up uh, Deck Expo again this year in Baltimore. For sure, yeah, that's a, that's a good one. That's always a it's a mainstay in our schedule now every year. Unfortunately, it sounds like they're moving it back up to October this year, which is not ideal. But, yeah, it's a little uh, unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, so you sound pretty busy. Got engaged, moving to a new house. Uh, working on some business yep. stuff here. What uh, We get this question all the time, so I'm going to give it to you because you're also in a seasonal cold climate market. What's the temperature there today, by the way? Actually, we're pretty good here today. I think we're, uh, just look at the thing. We're actually uh, sitting at eight degrees here today. They're calling for like, I want to say it's like 80 uh, centimeters or something crazy of rain in the next uh, day or two. Um, but we do get uh, we do get colder weather. Yesterday, it was like minus 10 here. I think we're at like probably sitting at minus 16 or something with the, uh, with the wind chill or whatever. Um, so we do get those, uh, we do get a winner, right? Um, yep. For us this year, um, I just made the, the decision that I wasn't going to take my focus away from my business and go do something else that wasn't helping me just to put a dollar in my pocket. And what I'm talking about is like going and taking on like interior trim work or doing like some renovations or something like that. Yeah. Even though I'm perfect, perfectly capable of doing all that stuff. Um, at the end of the day, it's not helping my business, which is my end goal. Right. Yeah. Um, so I said, our winters aren't terrible, like too, too bad. Like they need to get cold, but at the end of the day, we got enough days. They're like minus five with no wind chill. Like to go ahead and work in that isn't the end of the world. Yeah. Um, so if so, I can pick up uh, a lot of jobs over the winter, then that's great. Like we got a couple scheduled in. Um, so I, like I said, I, I'd rather just even be a little bit slower with that and then have more time to for, focus on the business end of things instead of just stay business or stay busy and then lose track of the, the business side of things. And then all of a sudden April comes around and it's like, Oh shit, I better get my ass in gear here. Yeah, exactly. Are you, when you said it's eight degrees, is it plus eight or minus eight? 
plus eight. Plus eight. Well, that's a pretty good. Yeah. That's plus eight Celsius. So for the American listeners, that's I don't know somewhere around forty-five ish. I would guess. Yeah. Uh, it's minus twenty-one here right now. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I which think is, it was yesterday you posted the, the story, it was like minus 16 or something Yeah, which like is that. minus 5 Fahrenheit this morning. So <laughs> I woke up this morning and I was about to leave for work and my wife was about to leave for the gym and her car wouldn't start. Uh, yeah. So that's what we're dealing with right now. A few days ago, it was yeah. plus 3. Like before I went down to Grand Rapids, it was we, we had a nice streak as well, but that ended abruptly on Tuesday. And now next week, it's supposed to be all like minus 30, which is probably about minus 20 Fahrenheit. Not ideal yeah. well, for deck building. Uh, your whole, like, why do you build in uh, in winter podcast as well, right? Like, it's not the most ideal time of year to build, but at the same time, there's a lot of benefits that go along to building that time of year. So if you can kind of just have those upfront conversations with your clients and set expectations that, you know, normally this deck takes a, a week to build, but during, you know, winter conditions, if it's getting too cold or whatever, if it doesn't make sense, let's be working. You know, it might get stretched into two weeks or whatever, but you have that deck or a deck. Sorry, uh, come springtime, um, everything's done. We're not making a mess of your yard. You're getting in at the, the previous year's rates and everything like that. Like we're having all those conversations now with our suppliers, and it's the old story. Like the prices are just going up across the board, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, there's some benefits. They may be hard to see, but if you sit down and put some uh, some thought to it, there's like I said, most of them are are benefits to the client or whatever. But that's that just gives you more in uh, more reasons to sell. Like it's an easier sale to do that. Some people aren't thinking about it in the yeah. middle of winter. They're not thinking like, oh, we should build our deck now. But if you kind of get in front of them and give them some good reasons as to why they might want to, it is possible to sell yeah, those jobs. We're generating leads right now and we'll have that conversation. And some of them are like, oh yeah, I never even thought of to do it in the winter time. Yep. And some people are just like, yeah, you know what? We don't want to deal with it in the winter. We'll deal with it in the spring type of thing. Um, you know, so teach their own. But like I said, we uh, we booked a couple of projects over the winter. That was kind of good enough, uh, good enough for me to keep me uh, busy. And yep. luckily, I had a good enough year that uh, I was. You know, I tried to be as smart as I could with uh, the money we were bringing in and everything like that. That I wasn't, you know, depending on having that full income. You know, throughout the winter, right? So, yeah, yeah. It's it's always going to slow down. There's not there's no way to to stop the slowdown. It's just kind of managing it, right? Yeah, um, but. Uh, it's been great for business-wise, like dealing with all this different stuff and diving in and having the time to actually go in and research different uh, different things and coming up with all that. I would have never had downtime to do that before. Absolutely. Right? So. We, we try to take that look at things all the time too, being that we don't get into things that aren't decking related. We don't, it's for the same reason as you don't, we don't want to, we don't want to get outside of our niche. Um, so a lot of people question us what we're doing in the winter and whatnot. And as much as it is a struggle cash flow wise, there's some important stuff that happens in that downtime that if you didn't have that downtime, it just, we almost look at it as a benefit when things slow down we have a chance Absolutely. to sit back and get strategic about things and plan for the next year. It's a, there's a way of looking at that that could be uh, advantageous is how we try to look at it. So. Absolutely. Like, so we've had time to like sit down. I've done like full projections on, like numbers that I think that we could probably pull this year and everything like that and just dialing in everything. So I know what I can expect for like our operating expenses, like, you know, roughly the volume of decking where we can produce in a year. Um, but then even having like the numbers to know like what we're going to sell in decking, what we're going to sell in railing, like our lighting, all our different things, you know, the, the time's going to take to build that, the labor that's going to be involved in building that and just having your overall picture of, 
knowing those numbers to go into the year, it just makes it a lot easier than all of a sudden start quoting and scrambling and be like, am I charging enough for this? Am I still making money? Am I losing money? And then not knowing until the end of the year when you basically go and figure out your books. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I've run out of things on my list of topics to cover here today. Was there anything else that you specifically wanted to bring up on today's episode? Where's this list you had? Where's the list I had? It was your list. That was my list. <laughs> I had my own little bit of a list, but it was more the how-to, or sorry, the uh, the who you are kind of stuff. Um, but your yeah. list was much more intriguing, and I thought it would provide more value to people, so we went through it. But we're nearly at the end of it. So I wasn't sure if there's anything Perfect. else that you wanted to add. I think uh, we definitely uh, covered quite a few things. Um, I think you can tell pretty well from our Instagram. I'm, I'm a pretty open book. If you have questions, reach out to me. I can guarantee I know all the answers. I know what's best, but uh, I can probably come to you with a, a pretty good idea of you know how to do things or what might work or might not work. Uh, and the main thing is just having those discussions with people um, and finding out things because you could be doing something you know, for so long that you think it's working great. And then you never know about something else until someone else mentions it. Like, Oh shit. I never even thought of that. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know what you don't know sometimes. And that's why it's good to be involved yeah. in the community and, and just be watching and listening and asking questions. Cause sometimes, like you said, things pop up that all of a sudden make a ton of sense and, and you wouldn't have thought of it before cause you didn't know. So uh, thanks for joining yeah, us today, Mike. If anybody wants to follow Mike and his business on Instagram, it's at Simcodex, and that's S I M C O E. Are you? You said you're on Facebook as well, a little bit. Same name. Uh, yeah. So I honestly, I don't really do anything on Facebook. I'm part of that uh, that Facebook uh, builders group, but that's kind of the extent of that. So the easiest way to reach out to me is just uh, just through Instagram. Sure. Um, like I said, if you got questions or whatever, you can comment, send me a personal message. I don't really care. I'm, I'm pretty good at uh, trying to get back to everyone and at least offering uh, my input into things. Awesome. Yeah, Instagram's kind of the go-to, so find him there. If you have any questions from Mike, follow his stories on Instagram. Like I said, he posts a lot of value there on the back-end stuff that, like I just said, sometimes you're not thinking about it, but once you see it, it makes a lot of sense. So, Mike, thanks for joining us today. Everybody else, if you want to find us, uh, yeah, you bet. If you want to find us, Instagram is also a great place to go. Hit us up at the Ultimate Deck Shop. This has been a fun episode with Mike from Simcoe Decks. Until next week, everybody, enjoy your cold, bitter week. You've been listening to the Ultimate Deck Podcast. Ultimate Deck Podcast. Brought to you by the Ultimate Deck Shop. Shop with us at www.ultimatedeckshop.com or check us out at all the social networks we can keep up with. Hit us up for any collaboration or sponsorship opportunities. Thanks for listening.